Hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicki Katsuli Boy Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Ayahat, thank you. Zane, you had said we grew up humbly, not a lot of resources. However, there was love, right? There was a lot of love. And so, you know, we you've been weaving in already just sort of like how grandparents and the language and the culture and even how your parents um, sort of model just how do you interact and how do you engage. And so having seven children and you have six siblings, right, as you're minusing yourself from the pod, how did you all manage each other? It makes me think about my mom and my dad would say certain things like, this is how you treat your sister. You're the oldest, so this is what you're going to have to be doing. And you're the, so there were always these rules. I remember one time, even I, we used to rough play my brothers and then I started to transition and I was like, you can't play with your brothers anymore. <laughs> there were just certain protocol. And so just, I would just love for you all to share some of the wisdom in terms of sibling interaction and how do you guys keep together as a family and as a family unit maybe what you've also learned along the way is your as you both are parents as well wow something to think about I think like I mean we had a normal household when we were growing up all the we fought (laughs) we fought we bothered each other we annoyed the heck out of each other and I think for me because I'm the youngest of the girls and both my sisters are are um not that much older than me, but I think my oldest sister is about four years older than me. And then my, my, the middle uh, daughter, my sister Jennifer is about three years older than me. So I was always kind of hanging out with Zane and Thurman and roughhousing with them. And, and like you, at some point when you start to grow up and you start to become a young lady, you know, then all of a sudden you can't play with them like you were before because you're now you're, you're making the transition and you're a young lady. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. I, I, I guess we just, you know, through that time, it, it was rough. I think growing up and ha- being a family of seven, and then for us, I think it was more than just the seven of us because my mom did a lot of her raising of her siblings as well. I remember a good portion of my childhood where my uncles would live with us, her brothers. So we had more than seven nine people with my parents in one house, sometimes there'd be like 10 or 11 of us and people would be sleeping everywhere and couches and three people in one full-size bed. And it was just, our house was always full. So I think just the interactions was for me, I think with my sisters, I had a really good, I have a really good relationship with both of them. But I think when I was growing up, it was, I, I was always trying to hang out with them because they were older and they were cool. But for me, it was always like they were always pushing me aside and telling me to stay home or do whatever. So I, I, I kind of felt um, like I wanted to be a part of them, but I really couldn't because I was younger than them. But now we have a lot of conversations all the time. 
I think for me, the one thing that I always think about when I have interactions with my brothers and sisters is, again, my dad would always tell us that that whenever that there's going to be a time someday that I'm not here, he said, that your mom's not going to be here. We're not going to be here. And I don't want to ever know that you guys are fighting, you're feuding, you're, you know, doing things just to annoy each other or to 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 really break that family unit. So for me, that guides me in my interactions as an adult with my brothers and sisters. And I try really hard to just listen to them. And I've only learned to be this way more recent, I think. Before, I would just give my opinion. And even if when it was when I wasn't asked for it, and now I've learned to just kind of pull back and see what it is that I that that what it is that my brother or my sister needs from me. And it could be my opinion. It could be just for me to listen. So I try to pay attention in that way and then to try to support them in the best way I can. I think those are those are the main things. And then, of course, always wanting the best for them and also helping to be there as an auntie to all my nephews and nieces. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing is always remembering my dad that um, he wants us to always be a family unit and not be feuding or arguing or whatever and it's so funny because we have a group text that we send every morning all of our brothers and sister all my brothers and sisters are on this group text and we send a group text every now and then and sometimes you'll see like the annoyance that somebody will say you know I think it was just last week or a week and a half Thurman's text to my older brother was like the heck are you talking about like you could tell that he was upset about something and then my sister, Jennifer, had to chime in and she was like, hey, guys, cut it out. Don't talk to each other in that way, you know, and then it just stopped. So it's like we try to gauge each other. And then at the same time, we have the ability to be able to step in and say, OK, that's enough, you know, to remind each other that we can't go there. We can't talk to each other in that way. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Zane has probably better examples than I do. I do. Lots of teasing for sure. Yeah, lots of yeah. teasing for sure. But we also have to be careful with that because we also want to make sure that we don't, it's a fine line, I guess. We really tease, but at the same time, we have to be really careful to not, we have to be ready to be teased, I think is the other thing and know when we're being teased. That's always been hard for me because I'm such a sensitive person, but I think I'm getting better. Yeah, I think one of the things that Tina mentioned is the concept of texting that really evolved after my father passed. You know, it just we did some several Zooms after he passed and even before just trying to stay in touch. And we never said we're going to continue to text every morning. We just all knew that every morning it's good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? Before my father passed growing up, I always tell people growing up in our household, there was two certainties. One was Dallas Cowboys Sundays. We sat around the TV and we watched the Dallas Cowboys play. Uh, we were diehard Dallas Cowboy fans. My brothers, sisters, my mom and dad. That was what, you know, we lived for Sundays because that's what we did. After we all got married and went our separate ways, we came back together and we're all living in the same community kind of. So every other Sunday, Somebody will host and we'll have a big potluck. Everybody will bring a dish. And even before my father passed, that's how we chose to, to live our Sundays. And, and it was something to honor our parents is, is something that they 
instilled in us. So when people give us crap about being Dallas Cowboy fans, I laugh because I don't think they understand the history of it for us is it, it's a family thing. Growing up, I know we, like Tina said, we wrestled a lot. We, we used to play around a lot. And as the ladies started to become more ladies and evolve in that regard, my dad was very, very disciplined about us guys not wrestling with our sisters anymore. You know, he was, he was very direct. He said, you don't wrestle with your sister anymore because you may touch her in her privates. You know, and in the Navajo concept, I guess it's, you don't touch that portion of it. And, and it's something that he instilled in us and something that was instilled in him. And even the concept of clan relations is you don't go dating your relatives in that way. That That's the whole concept of clan relations. My dad was huge on clan relations. I mean, he he instilled that in us at a really young age. It's crazy because he knew, and him and my mom both knew, like, um, you know, so-and-so from Lukajuka is this clan, and this is their, their, they're born for this clan. This is their chase and their knowledge. I'm like, God dang, how do you remember all of that? And, but it was something that was instilled in them. And that's how my, my dad was. Tina mentioned that my mom has kind of evolved into being very oriented and biblical, biblically versed in, in that regard. My dad was really hardcore traditionalist. At the tail end of his life, he got drawn back to, uh, I think maybe to his father being a medicine man. But he believed heavily in, in the Navajo culture and the Navajo tradition and, and even just language. My dad never, never said our names. And I think I was telling, I was telling one of my friends the other day, I was, actually, I was telling my wife the other day, I said, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that I miss is I just want him to say shiyaja to me, like in a soft-spoken voice, like shiyaja. And he never, he never said your name, never. I don't think he ever said that. And so it, it's that concept back to the concept of, of and really honoring your brothers and your sisters in, in that regard. It, it, it's funny because the text that, that Tina's talking about last week is Thurman lashed out at my older brother. And, and I sat there and I'm like, shall I respond? Shall I respond? But I'm always sitting here thinking, what would dad say? What would my dad say? And, and again, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes it, Things are just better not said, you know, just keep it in and eventually it'll work itself out. But really just respect for your brothers and your sisters. One of the other things my dad used to always tell us too, is that you try not to be nosy to your siblings when your siblings are having merit, marital problems, especially your sister. You don't, you don't go sticking your nose over there because people are going to say that he's jealous of his own sister. Um, that, that's what my dad used to say. And, and it's really interesting because, um, of course, no marriage is, is perfect and everybody has their marital issues. And as a brother, you want to be protective of your sister. You want people to treat your sister with respect. But then again, you also remember in the back of your mind, like you don't stick your nose in there. You let them work it out. And, and likewise, I think my sisters are, are taught in that regard as well. So, so some of the teachings that I remember my father in, in, in that way. And so... It, it, it's cool to talk about him. It's it, you know through your your stories, native roots, and untold stories. There's a lot of healing in that, you know, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. I, that's so beautiful. Uh, and 
I was just thinking, Papa is here. <laughs> Even though we didn't get to hear his voice, he, we we're hearing his voice through both of you and all the learnings that, and I knew that when I saw him, I'm like, he's got a mind, he's got a gold mine. I can, I, you can just tell when you know people, you can just sense how much love, how much deepness one has. And I, I could see that just through pictures. And I just love the, the acknowledging each other, not by name, you know? And when you said Chiyaja, that just, oh, my heart, I just literally, yeah. But the other thing that came to mind to two more things I want to say real quickly is Tina earlier, you had said, and I appreciate your vulnerability of even saying like, you know, yeah, I used to jump in, give my opinion, but now I really just step back and I'm just listening. That takes a lot of skill. And I think that takes a lot of control to do that, to not say anything and to just listen because I, it's interesting though. Now I really understand everything that my grandparents and my parents said, I now finally understand, right? Powerful prayers, not just, you know, quick Hail Mary kind of thing, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's a different sort of connection. And the listening piece I find is really important. And that, that skill helps relationships, any kind of relationship, whether it's a colleague, whether it's your sibling, whether it's your parents, your partner, to hone the skill of just holding back and listening is so powerful. That's a powerful skill to have. And I love the whole, um, just coming up with new ways to stay engaged, like the group chat, right? And I love the Dallas Cowboy every other Sunday. I, that's, I think, one of the other reasons why I was so attracted to the family, just looking as, I, I mean, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan. However, I love seeing the <laughs> unity, everybody in their jersey. You guys are like, ah, you know, you, you can see some of the videos. I just laugh and I'm like, it, I could feel the love just seeing some of those pictures. Oh, the, the, the other thing I forgot I wanted to mention was it's interesting how our parents noted certain things we couldn't do, shouldn't do, and they're just giving wisdom. And they're really protocol, right? It's like protocol and okay. how human dynamics and <laughs> relations, it's protocol for relationships. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how you keep the family together. That's what came to my mind was like, it's a protocol in relationships and dynamics. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of our clan system is that, you know, because I've worked for different people and I've had worked in situations where my boss was male. So helping to set those parameters and what's acceptable and not acceptable, I think for me as a supervisor and as a subordinate to others is always yeah. what's your clan and finding out in a, per a person's clan and then that helps to set those parameters and the, the dynamics of our relationship. Like Zane said, he could tease my grandma in that way. I could tease her in that way too. Sometimes I would tease her like we would go to ceremony or we would be at like Nata and I would we would tease her because we knew that. Um, I, I remember one story where there was a gentleman in the community who was an elder gentleman who was also widowed and he was interested in Masana because she was widowed and she was by herself. And there was this conversation about maybe they should get together and be together just so that they don't grow old together. That was like, like the main purpose. He could take care of her and she could take care of him. So it was more the proposal or the, the concept was a relationship based on the needs of the individual and not on like whether they're in love or it wasn't about that. It was about what could they do to provide, I guess, what's needed for both of them so that they're both cared for. So every time I would see that man, I would, you know, elbow her and I say, Masane, there's your man. And I would point at him and I would tease her that way. And she would just get so upset. 
and she would just be so annoyed with that whole concept and just like hot eh? like really at my age you know she was like in that thought process so she would make comments like that and we would just I would love to tease her like that that was my masaness so I think our clan system definitely sets those parameters for us and yeah our family teases a lot sometimes and it's so funny because sometimes we cross a line and we don't even know we have I'll give you an example of that is that my sisters we always tease one another about our husbands and sometimes my sisters like or sometimes I guess to like we, we look alike especially my sister Jennifer and I people will say you guys look alike you know and one time my husband came into we were all sitting at the table and he comes in and I'm sitting across from my sister Jennifer and then he goes up to Jennifer and he's all rubbing her shoulder giving her a massage and I'm sitting across from him from her and he's I see him giving my sister a massage and I'm sitting there thinking, what the heck is he doing? Then it dawned on me. Oh, crap. He thinks that's me. <laughs> and then he and then finally he makes contact, eye contact with me. He was like, oh, shit. You know, he pulls his hand away from her. We all busted out laughing at my husband, who was just so reserved. And he just turned red and he was so embarrassed. And I turned red because I was so embarrassed for him. And my sister was laughing because she didn't even know that that was him. She was, she thought it was her husband giving her a shoulder rub. And all the while it was my husband. <laughs> Until he saw me, he was like, oh. And then, of course, we all tease him about that. Like, oh, yeah, right. You knew very well that was her. <laughs> But I remember at the end of the day, I was, we were unwinding when we got home and he was like, I hope you know that I really did think that was you. <laughs> and I was like, I'm good. Even if you knew that was her. <laughs> so I mean, like sometimes we just cross those boundaries and those barriers, but a lot of the time it's really just hilarious. And we laugh so hard about it. So, but you have to be careful. My dad would say that to us. You better be careful. You better know your, your boundaries and your teasing because somebody might get upset. And I always remember that. That was so funny. And that still happens, I think, to this day with my sisters. I, I think it's something that's really learned to or contagious to some extent. Because when I met my wife, like, she's very quiet. And when she got around my family, she would freak out on how crazy we were. And, and, and now you're <laughs> down the road, you know, kids... We have kids, we have a family. And just the other day, my brother Emerson pulled up yesterday, I believe it was, he was dropping off some binoculars that I let him use. And my son Cole looks out the door and he was like, who's that? And my wife is like, oh, it's your real dad. Go see him. You know, <laughs> so, so my wife would all, like, occasionally she'll make these comments like, oh yeah, I'm with all four James brothers. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so crazy. But, um, you know, it, it's it, it's something that, that, that we do a lot with with our family is just really having a lot of fun and, and enjoying the moment because, you know, you don't want to you don't want to take things for granted. And Tina mentioned the concept of, of client relation outside the foundation of of not just our family, but the Navajo people and indigenous peoples uh, uh, across uh, across the across the country. And it, it's funny because I work in a private sector with a managed care organization out of Albuquerque. And and the corporate at and from St. Louis really wants to do a lot of work with Navajo, the Navajo Nation. And I tell them all the time, you know, it's it, it it's a the concept of clanship is building relations. It's it's in 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 mainstream society, it's networking. 
but on the Navajo concept, it's you're building lifelong relations. So you can't expect to go into an indigenous community, work for five years and, and back out because that's not how it works. If you're going to commit to working with the Navajo Nation, you've got to commit to working there and being there forever. Just like when you greet somebody as your brother, that person is your brother for life. How you greet them is, is how, you, how, how you live your life there from there on. So it, it's not just necessarily in, in the family dynamics or in the, in the Navajo culture, Navajo, Navajo setting, but it's really educating the outside, outside people as well. Yes. When you were saying that, it, it made me think about relationships across the board. It takes work. It takes work to stay connected. It takes work to listen to each other. It takes work to be there and support one another. It takes work to help somebody, even though they're not asking for help. It just made me think about my, my youngest brother. I was going through a really hard time a couple of years ago and he knew I was having a hard time. He stopped whatever he was doing. He came and he stayed with me for three weeks just to be here with me. I didn't ask him. He just knew I needed somebody. I just want to underscore that like relationships, it takes work. Knowing the protocol, knowing how to acknowledge, make it so beautiful and how rich relationships can be. So I just, I'm just, you guys got me emotional in this. And, you know, it's a beautiful conversation. And I want to just wrap up everything that we've talked about and also thank your dad for being here. I really feel that everything that you've all learned from him, he sprinkled some of that in this conversation with us today. What would you like to have the listeners walk away with? What is bubbling up for you and what you feel needs to be said for folks to hear? I think for me, it's really, and going off of what you said, that relationships take work. There's and it's all kinds of work, whether it's learning to listen, whether it's learning to give positive and constructive feedback, whether it's learning to not be judgmental, that's also another really hard thing I've really started trying to practice is to not be judgmental in my responses or even in my thought process when I'm trying to listen. If my purpose is just to listen, then I need to just listen. I remember one time my brother was telling me about a situation where he had heard or learned something and he said, and then I went to her and I told her this and I said, what was the purpose of that, though? What was the purpose of you sharing those comments? You know, other than to let her know that what's going on, but what's the purpose of that? So I think really trying to focus on, for me, what's the purpose of my interaction? What's the purpose of the words that I'm choosing? What's the purpose of those things? And, and I don't know if this is because I'm getting older or well, it's probably uh, just a combination of things, but I think the biggest thing for me the most life-changing thing for me probably has been losing my dad. And not because I'm living my life differently now, but I think it's really shifted my thought process in terms of my purpose as a mother, my purpose as a daughter, my purpose as a sister, as an auntie, or just my role in, every, in, in all the different dynamics in my life, even at work, really focusing on what it is that needs to get done and maybe not even some, maybe something like what, what's my legacy going to be? How are people going to remember me? Because I, I think about all the words and stories and things that have been shared with me about my father. And my father was, he was a human being. He had issues. He had problems just like the rest of us. We grew up in a family where alcoholism was evident. And it's something that I feel like a lot of us struggle with to this day. But my dad also 
became sober about 13 years before he passed away. He just went cold turkey and stopped drinking. And that to me has always been something that I treasured about my dad. And I remember he passed in June of 2020. So in May, my son turned 13 that year. And I asked him, what do you want to do for your birthday, Max? And he said, I want to have a cookout at grandma's house. I said, we can't do that. We can't do that because of the pandemic. And then he said, how about if we just cook outside and we all stay outside? I said, I'll call grandma and see what she says. So I called my mom and she said, that's fine. So I prepared everything and I told her it's just going to be our family and then just the two of them. So she said, okay. So we went up there and we cooked. And I remember my dad saying to my, my son, he says, Che, how old are you? And then my son says, I'm 13 today. And then he said, oh, wow. And then he says to my mom, he says, Sarah, because my mother's name is Sarah. And he says, Sarah, he's 13. So we've been sober for almost 13 years now. And then my mom says, yeah. And then he turned to my son and he told him, did you know I stopped drinking because of you? And then my son was like, no, I didn't know that. And he was like, yeah, I stopped drinking because of you. And I thought that was really, that's something that my son always reflects back on now is that I remember Che telling me this and I said, yeah, it's true because we lived next door to them and they were exposed to him as an infant. And at some point, I think my dad and my mom, they were just like, we're missing out on a lot of stuff and we're, we're going to be focused on our grandchildren, all of them. So um, that was a huge thing. And that was just the type of man he was in terms of being able to commit to something and then following through with it and never having to go to classes or doing any of those things, just going cold turkey and then stopping. And I know there's a lot of people in this world that do that same thing. That was my dad. He made me um, realize that's something you can do. It's all about your willpower. I think just thinking about life in general, living for today and doing everything I can to contribute, whether it's just something small, someone helping people out as much as I can, but um, really focusing on my family because that's how my dad was and trying to stay focused on them, helping my kids and helping my husband, supporting him through his educational pursuits. And it's a lot of work. And being there for my brothers and sisters and always expressing to them how much I love them. It was one of the interesting things, if I can just share one last thing, is that my dad didn't necessarily, my parents didn't necessarily tell us, I love you every day. They showed us. We knew. We, there was never a question that they loved us. So for me, I try to do both. I tell my kids every day I love them verbally and then I try to show them because that's how my dad was and that's what he showed me so um I really appreciate the conversation it's really good for me it makes my heart happy to talk about my father so much and to talk about my mom and my brothers and sisters because that's really the core of my being and I really appreciate the conversation so thank you yeah I always tell people I think I have one purpose in life and it's to annoy the hell out of my sisters He's good at it too. <laughs> I feel like if I can get under my sister's skin, at least one of them on a daily basis, I've lived a good life. It's funny because a couple of years ago, we were at my little mama. Her, her name is Bella. My sister Jennifer's gra daughter's graduation in, um, in Durango, Fort Lewis. But the ladies were all standing in a like really dressed real nice and they're all getting their pictures taken. I did this really cool photo bomb. 
And somebody caught it perfectly where I jumped right in front of my sisters and had my hands up. And, and I said, like, that's perfect for me right there is just ruining the perfect picture for my sisters because just because I'm that annoying. But, um, you know, <laughs> but, you know my, my message would, would be really is to, to just to enjoy life, man. Have fun. Enjoy it because as, as Tina expressed very well is we unfortunately have to deal with the loss of our father, the loss of his sister for, for a couple of days later, the loss of my mom's brothers within the past couple of years. It's been a very tough couple of years for our family. However, um, I remember Tina at one of my uncle's funeral reception said, how do we ensure that we never feud as a family? And, and I, I remember telling my brothers and sisters and my mom, we were all standing there and said, just remember what dad said. Dad always told us, from this day forward, I hope someday that you guys are not ever feuding. Yeah, we're, like Tina said, we, we annoy each other, we get on each other's nerves, and it's really learning to exist within, within our parameters. And uh, again, my dad used to always say is, you know, um, when you find a spouse, whether it's a husband or a wife, and then you have kids, that becomes your focus. Um, yeah, you may have brothers and sisters. You may even have, you may even have still your parents, but your focus becomes your, your wife and your kids first and foremost. And I think my dad was the epitome of that is he focused all his, all his energy on, on us. And my parents have 30 something grandkids. And I, I had three, I, I have three older girls with my ex-wife. And then when I met my wife, we, I picked up a daughter who I love dearly, like, like my own child. And, and I greet her that way. Then we had a little girl and I'm the youngest of seven. All my brothers had boys. And so when we found out we were having our, our little son, we didn't know he was going to be a boy. We didn't, we never determined the sex. That's one thing we never did in our family is find out the sex of our baby. And so I remember I was having a conversation with my dad and I told my dad, I don't think the man upstairs has it in me for, I don't think he has a plan for me to have girl, I'm a boy. I think I'm, I think I'm just doomed to have girls all this time. And my dad said, well, as long as they're healthy and, and, and you're a good father, then they're, they're, you'll be fine. So when my wife had her baby, it was kind of a rough labor and it was pretty intense. And so when the baby came, everybody was worried about my, my wife. My mom was there and my mother-in-law was there. I was there. Actually, I think my dad was in the waiting room as well. Everybody was getting ready to go to another graduation at Fort Lewis, my, my niece Diori's graduation. And so when the baby came, like everybody was just happy that my wife was fine. And, and the nurses said, well, what did you have? I was like, oh, shoot, let's check. And, you know, the nurses had the baby and started unraveling the sheets. I always tell people, I said, I've never been so happy to see a penis in my life because I saw my little son. Yes, I got my little boy. It's funny, but my mom was telling us that, right, you know, just maybe, maybe a month or so before my father passed, he was sitting there quiet, smiling. And, and he said, you know, like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm content. And my mom was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He says, well, Zane had a little boy. All my, all my sons have boys and I have, I have that person to carry on my name. And so, you know, life is, life is pretty short. And if you still have both your parents, like enjoy it, man, love them, love them. And I think you, you, you know, for your, for your loss and your experience, I mean, you, you know, exactly what we're talking about is just enjoy life, take it every day and 
you know, wake up tomorrow morning and you may have a bad day today, but you know what, it's going to start all over again tomorrow. And it's really up to you to, to, to make the most of it. So, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed, I said this discussion at the beginning, but it's a conversation and, and it's a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. And God bless you and your family. And yeah. Oh, thank you both so much. I'm filled. I honestly, you know, how they always say, if your cup is empty, I feel like my heart is full. My eyes are full. My ears are full. It was good for me. So I just humbly thank you both for showing up. I really enjoy this conversation. I feel like I have a better sense, a peek inside the James household. <laughs> and I know the listeners will definitely take away so much from your dad, your mom, your grandmas, and your siblings. And so I wish you both well. Thank you so much. And that's all I have to say. I'm just, I'm leaving with a smile. And that's all that matters at this time. So thank you all. We'll talk okay. to you all thank soon. You. Thank all right. you. Bye.